Welcome to the College Sports Insider presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. So here's a question for you. How do you manage an athletics department when your closest rival is about 400 miles and your most distant rival is actually 10,000 miles? Well, that's a question that Dr. Gary Gray, who's the athletic director at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, struggles with on a daily basis. And we're going to chat with him about that. Gary, it's, it's nice to see you again. We joked about the fact that you and I actually had this conversation once before in a cab on the way to the airport. I was fascinated by it <laughs> then, and I'm even more fascinated by it now. So, so welcome. Glad Thanks, Jack. It's good to be with you. Let, let me start off with, uh, I, I, with your background a little bit, because I think it's important to set the stage for the conversation. And, and you've been in a variety of places as an educator, um, from the lowest levels up to the university levels as a coach. Uh, give me a, a, a quick synopsis, if you would, of your own background. Sure. Uh, well, I graduated from the University of New Brunswick. I played college volleyball there. Uh, was an uh, English and health enhancement teacher for nine years. Uh, uh, lived in Eugene, Oregon and taught there for eight years and uh, got my doctoral degree. Uh, at the University of Oregon. Uh, in between those two uh, opportunities, I got my master's degree at Kentucky. So I have lived around the country, uh, taught in public and private schools, large and small, Canada and the United States. And uh, I've had a lot of experiences. Uh, I uh, directed the sport management program for seven years at Iowa State University. And uh, at my second time at Montana State Billings, uh, first time as a faculty member, second time as a faculty member was uh, appointed director of athletics, and I did that for almost 18 years at Montana State Billings Division II school. And uh, five years ago, just had a hankering to go on an adventure and do something different and exciting. And uh, I hate the cold, so I decided, <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm going to move to Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> There's uh, nothing about that sentence that makes any sense. Exactly, but it, it's it's been an adventure and more. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska is a land of extremes. It's the NCAA's northernmost university, as we say. It's America's Arctic University, a land, sea, and space grant institution that does fantastic world-class research. Uh, honestly, had no idea it was the quality of university it is. So we attract very bright students. Uh, uh, we have Division I hockey. Uh, we have multi-divisional rifle and ski, and then a variety of Division uh, II sports. We're in the Great Northwest Athletic Conference, uh, and it's fun to be there. Uh, like I say, it's a land of extremes, extreme light in the summer, extreme dark and cold in the winter. And uh, the one thing I like to say about Fairbanks is what bonds everyone together in a close-knit community as it is, is our isolation. <laughs> the fact that we're so isolated from the rest of the world uh, brings us together. So You are indeed a community. It, we really are, and it's, it's a great uh, place for an NCAA athletic program. How did the, the uh, reality of Fairbanks, when you got there, compare to what your perceptions of what it might be were? Um, you know, I was attracted there actually for a variety of challenges. Um, I knew that there was a budget uh, challenge, a, a severe budget deficit. I had uh, de uh, balanced budgets before in Billings and wanted to know if I could actually do it uh, on a larger scale. And uh, so that attracted me. Uh, there was also, to be honest with you, a major infractions case going on that had been self-reported. And I'd never worked with an ma NCAA major infractions case before. Uh, and I, I actually worked with that my first three and a half years there. And it was, it was a great exercise. Uh, I'm glad I tackled that. Uh, we resolved the budget challenges. Uh, when I went there, uh, oil was $120 a barrel. And uh, within two years, it dropped to $28. Right. 
and that that put the How state. Did, what's the yeah? Tell, tell yeah, me about the, the what's the impact economic impact yeah. certainly for the state and yeah. and, and for for. Yep. Alaska Fairbanks. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. The impact for the state is about a four point one budget uh, billion dollar budget deficit. When that happens, uh, we need oil to be at one hundred and ten dollars a barrel for a whole year to get be on a kind of our FY fourteen uh, fiscal year uh, budget cycle. Uh, we have no state income tax. We have no state sales tax. Ninety percent of our state budget is oil and gas royalties. Uh, so it's not a diversified economy. Uh, so the impact for the university is millions and millions of dollars. In, in my five years, the athletics budget has been cut $1.6 million. So we're doing business a little differently. Uh, so it has a real impact uh, on all state government, including universities. So let, let's talk about now your, your daily existence. Sure. Right? You get up to Alaska Fairbanks, as you said, fabulous place, you know, just, just very different. Yes. Um, but, the, the, but many of those differences are what attracted you to be there. Right. So you settle in and you start looking at your schedules, putting together a schedule. I touched on it in the introduction, but give, give me some, let, let's talk some details here. Your nearest rival is whom and how far away? Sure. University of Alaska Anchorage is almost 400 miles south. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in many places you'd drive that, but uh, all of our competition is basically in the winter. Uh, we're the only NCA school with a spring sport exemption. We have no spring sports because we have late winters. Winter starts typically in October, but two years ago we had 21 inches of snow in September. So basically our school year is all winter. It's seven months of winter. And uh, so we don't drive. Uh, we, we fly. Uh, and so... Travel is always by air. All of our teams travel the same. And uh, you fly, you stay at the same hotels, et cetera. But uh, it's sometimes a challenge to get non-conference games, to get home games. Uh, we typically pay guarantees for people to come, or we go to their place. Let me get to that in a sec. Sure. All right, because I, I think that's, that's something I want to sort of delve into for you. So um, nearest rival, nearly 400 miles away, yes. but you have to fly. Right. Most distant? Uh, would be Division One hockey, University of Alabama, Huntsville. It's about a 10,000-mile round trip, about uh, almost 5,000 miles from Fairbanks to Huntsville. They're the southernmost NCAA hockey program in the country, and we're the northernmost, and we have the pleasure of being in the same conference together, the <laughs> WCHA. That's, that, that's, that's wonderful. It, it's geographically challenging, yes. but it's a, a wonderful concept for We you. like to say when you get on an airplane, it doesn't really matter where it lands in four hours. It, it lands somewhere, and... We'll play whoever's whoever there. shows up with a hockey stick in their sure. hand. We'll play them. Sure. That's good. So let let's talk about now. Let, let's start with the with the student athletes. All right, and then then I want to talk about the logistics sure. of how that all works. So so what do you then, as an institution, what do you say to your prospective student athletes? When you're when they're taking a look at, at Alaska Fairbanks, I know you mentioned some of the the, the great academic aspects of the institution. Right. Uh, what do you say to them when they and their parents start saying, "Well, uh, how about our travel? How's that all going to work for us as, and as part of our day to day existence?" Yeah, that, that's a really good question that we have to be very clear with our student athletes about because um, they they miss they miss some classes. Uh, with that extended travel. And so they need to be good students, first of all. Um, they need to manage their time well. They need to have a good relationship with faculty member and, faculty members and, and do some work online or by email. Uh, many of our student athletes, many of our students take some online classes, and that's great because then you never miss a class. Uh, but you need to stay on top of things because of travel. 
Uh, so they're traveling with their laptops. They're staying up on work or working ahead. Uh, we have a 3.24 departmental grade point average. Uh, so our, uh, by and large, our, our student athletes do very well. That's very uh, impressive. They That's graduate. an impressive number given the hurdles. Yep. We graduate a fourth of our entire department every year. So we're not, you know, they don't drop off the, the radar as they get into their senior year or junior year. Um, so they finish. Most finish in four years, in fact. Uh, some take five, but uh, most graduate in four years. Um, so uh, we always get the questions, you know, from parents about the distance. And parents can't come every weekend and watch, but all of our games are video streamed. So parents can watch. Uh, but uh, it, it's... It, it's a long ways from, from home for most of our students. We recruit a lot of students from the Northwest. I was going to ask you that. Where are your, yeah. students, where are your student athletes come from? Sure. A lot from Oregon and Washington and Idaho and, and uh, for basketball and volleyball. And so that's, you know, 1,500-plus miles from home. Uh, hockey players, a lot from Alberta and British Columbia. Uh, but Minnesota and Michigan and, and even California. But uh, they – and some internationally, too, by the way. We have – we've had shooters from – Scandinavia. We have skiers from Scandinavia and Eastern Europe, and uh, uh, so we have our, our share of international students as well. So let's talk about that the idea of you putting a schedule together sure. for you know you can pick one of your one of your teams and and explain to us how you go about the mechanics of scheduling. Well, our coaches are very good at building those relationships that that help uh, scheduling both short term and long term. Uh, our rifle team shoots against all Division One schools. So, you know, we'll, we'll go to Ohio State and West Virginia and UTEP and Kentucky and North NC State, and they'll, they'll come back. They'll reciprocate. Um, so uh, there, are, there are situations, though, for us to get home games, non-conference games, we'll pay travel guarantees. So, uh, but again, the idea is if they didn't come to us, we'd go to them and we'd pay. So we'll pay a little bit less to have them to come to us, and then we build our, our home attendance. And uh, uh, But it's a challenge. It really is a challenge. Um, some schools will come to Alaska for the ex- the adventure. I was going to ask you, know, you about that. They, is, is that a pitch that it you is. can make then to another athletic director? Absolutely. Saying, Look, it, you know, part yep. of your educational experience should be a bit of an adventure. Here's an opportunity for your student-athletes to experience something that they— in all likelihood, we'll never experience in their lives. It is, and we do that within our recruiting, too, as well. Uh, you know, we, we tell student-athletes they can come and get a great education. They can live in a part of the world that, you know, a year ago they probably hadn't even thought about and be able to say, you know, they, they spent one, two, three, four, or five winters at 40 and 50 below. And, and uh, believe it or not, some stu- a lot of student-athletes stay. I mean, we've had basketball players 40 years ago who stay and become bank managers, and I can give you a long list, or dentists or whatever, stay in our area. They fall in love with it. They fall in love with the people. They fall in love with the, uh, the, uh, the geography of it, uh, the hunting and fishing. I know it sounds kind of goofy, but that's, that's the actually reality pretty, of life. Actually sounds pretty attractive. That's our life. You know, we live on the Chena River. We paddle it. We we, we do all of that, and if you like that lifestyle, which many of us do, we, we like to say you don't end up there by accident. Uh, you go there very intentionally, and uh, again, it sounds kind of bad to say, but you either love it or hate it, I guess. We hire some employees who, who last a year, or as we call it, one winter, and, uh, and that's it, and we get that. And then, but, but I'm not from there, but I, you know, I'll, I'll stay there as long as I can, and there's a lot of people like me. They come from all over. A lot of people I know 
are not from there. Uh, and obviously there are folks who are, but I, I know more people who are not native born than, than are. So uh, we, we get there. Uh, we have a T-shirt that our rifle team sells, and it says, I'm not from Alaska, but I got here as quickly as I could. That's great. You know, it's, it's a fascinating place. <laughs> Do you think part of that then, that, that notion of if you're coming, you have to know what you're about to embrace here? Absolutely. Uh, do you think that's part of the reason why your your retention rate is, is so strong and your graduation rate is so strong? Because you always hear stories about, about you know, young people showing up on a campus and, and within a couple of months they say, you know what, this isn't what I thought it was going to sure. be. Uh, I think that, I think that is, is a reason. And I think that coming to, you know, the top of the world, it's not a surprise that winters are cold. It's not a surprise that it's dark 22 hours a day uh, in the winter. When you go to any place, pick anywhere in the Midwest or whatever, it's pretty much, it could be where, where you're, what you're used to, but you're from another state, and they may be disappointed in the campus and the experience. But moving to Alaska, you pretty much know what you're getting into. If you don't know that Alaska's cold and dark, you, pr- you haven't looked, you haven't checked <laughs> much. Um, so there's, maybe there's fewer surprises on our campus. And, uh, and our coaches are honest with the recruits because they don't want someone to drop out at Christmas. But having said that, that does happen once in a while. Uh, you but then know, that's going to happen anywhere. It, it can happen anywhere. It just happens in the dark up there. Sure. It just happens in the dark. As opposed to other places. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how, does, how does your community um, re- react to the, to the athletic um, the athletic department, your athletic activities? What sort of relationship do you have with your community? We've got a great uh, relationship with our community. Uh, our community embraces us. They realize that the, at the university in a, a small town of 35,000 people is a big driver of employment and education and everything. Uh, we have an army base and an Air Force, uh, an Air Force base a little bit south of Fairbanks. Uh, and, uh, actually, North Pole is south of Fairbanks. <laughs> it's in Eielson, uh, Eielson Air Force Base. And they, we have a great relationship with the military. We do a lot of uh, community engagement events with the military, uh, which Division Two does, uh, is known for. Uh, so we do, uh, uh, they embrace us. So the military is a big factor. Uh, the university is a big factor. The medical system is a big factor, mining. Uh, Etc. So uh, it's a small town. So people are close. Uh, and in the wintertime, you know, you're going to be at a hockey game. You're probably going to be at a basketball game in the afternoon and a hockey game at night because that's what that's what we do in Fairbanks. You touched on the the economic impact um, of the the forces that are assaulting, if you would, the oil industry now. Oftentimes, we see when financial pressures come to bear um, and they are focused on uh, on academic institutions, one of the first places where you see a pulling back is with regard to the athletic programs. Uh, are, are you finding that, you know, because you're talking about the whole state now and a budget, you're not talking about your folks in your community who you said are, are wonderful supporters, mm-hmm. but do you find um, in a, a place like that where you are remote and distant? That when there are these financial pressures that you're hearing from others in the state and state government saying, well, you know what, maybe Fairbanks doesn't need all of these teams, especially given what their travel budgets are. Mm-hmm. What do you see? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and we, we have to face that challenge like a lot of schools do. And we, we have in the last couple of years. The, the good news is that we had thousands of people come out in support. We had a uh, a potential of, of having to drop uh, men's and women's ski 
and we had uh, 5,300 people sign petitions, and hundreds of them marched to the Board of Regents meeting and uh, expressed their concern and their support for cross-country ski. We had uh, hundreds of people come out and testify on behalf of athletics, particularly hockey. Uh, they they kind of went to the front of the line, and uh, and as a result, uh, the governor came out with a statement in strong support of athletics. He happened to have played basketball in college. And we had uh, the Board of Regents pass a 10 to 0 to 1, one abstention, uh, um, uh, resolution to maintain intercollegiate athletics in Alaska and, and support it. So uh, certainly we've had our budget cuts, as I mentioned, but all of the university has had budget cuts. We've not been immune from that. But uh, the outpouring of support for athletics has been overwhelming. Yeah. That's reinforcing to it hear, is. It yeah, is. given the circumstances. And, it, and it all, I think a lot of that is due to the relationships that have been built over the years in the community. Our student-athletes are engaged. Our coaches are active. We're all active in the community. Um, we participate. You know, We don't just always ask. We like to give as well to other organizations and and. Uh, I think I think it comes back to relationships and partnerships, and then uh, people support your role in the community. It certainly illustrates how the idea of of college athletics can be a a, a force that draws a community together. Oh, exactly, it yeah. does. Yeah. So, uh, last question for you: If if you get a phone call and it's from somebody who says, "Look, I'm considering taking a job as an athletic director at a an institution that." It mirrors yours to some extent. Uh, I don't know that anybody mirrors yours completely, <laughs> but mirrors yours to some extent. And then and that they say, "All right, I'm I'm a little bit of a remote location. Uh, I'm going to have to to struggle a bit to to get my scheduling done to get people to come into our buildings and play." Um, and I want to know now. You've been doing this for a number of years here. Um, What's your advice? Should I, should I, if I decide to take the job, what's going to be my greatest hurdles and, and what's going to be the things that I will look at most fondly in terms of accomplishments? What would you say to that person? You know, I, I would remind that person that wherever they go, they're going to have challenges. And the challenges undoubtedly are going to involve money somehow. Um, I don't know any program that has enough money. And if the challenges aren't in travel, they're going to be in something else, personnel or, or whatever. So I would, I would ask them, and, and in fact, in a school that is remote, I think you know some of the challenges, whereas other institutions, you might not know what they are. But ask a lot of questions. Do your research. Uh, find out about the history of that institution and that program and, 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 and talk to people who you feel you're going to get honest answers from of knowing what you're getting into. Uh, I'd rather attack challenges that I know about than the ones that I don't know about and then have to learn what those challenges are and, you know, not being able to prepare adequately. But, uh, uh, yeah, I would, I would advise them to, you know, I would say, hey, risk it. Take yeah. the chance. Uh, one reason I went to Fairbanks, seriously, I didn't want to look back on my career when I retired and say, what if? What if I had gone to Fairbanks? I wonder what that would have been like. I was at my previous institution for 18 years, having a great time. Everything was great. I was even a tenured faculty member, gave that up to, to take a risk, take a chance, and try something uh, quite different. And I, I guess maybe it's the philosophical part of me, but I did not want to look back and say, I wonder what that would have been like. Could I have done it? Uh, so I would just say, do it. Just do it. 
Take but, a chance. Well, it's, it's Dr. Gary Gray, as we said, Athletic Director of the University of Alaska Fairbanks. It sounds like it's been a marvelous journey for you in every sense of, of that word. Sometimes a little trying journey, sometimes yeah. dark journey, sometimes yeah. snow-covered journeys, yeah. um, but a wonderful journey nonetheless. It's been great, and, and I just love the people I get to work with. They're, they're amazing. Like I said, no one's there by accident, and uh, that means a lot. They're doing that particular job because that's where they want to be, and they're great people to work with. Well, Gary, thanks for spending some time with us. I, I'm glad we were able to expand on our conversation in the taxi cab thanks, that we had a few months ago. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it. You'd be well. That does it for us for today. For the College Sports Insider, I'm Jack Ford. We'll be back with you again soon. <laughs>